Hey, it's Jess, and welcome to The Heart Strong, a podcast where we explore navigating the challenges in our lives. It's my personal mission to guide you towards your greatest potential. So come along with me as we explore living with courage, or as I put it, living heart strong. Hey, it's Jess, and welcome to the Heart Strong Podcast. Today's episode is with Mary Rose Tishar, who also happens to be my mom. And this is truly a career masterclass. Mary Rose is a career coach and a licensed counselor, and she provides a ton of tools for navigating your career and also for self-discovery. And so I'm really excited for you to listen today. So grab a pen and paper or a notebook and have a seat and give this a listen. And I promise you that there will be something in here for you. This is especially going to be really helpful for anyone who wants to navigate career change or feels stuck in where they're in right now. Or if you are in a season of caregiving as a parent, um, as a mother or father, where you're kind of wondering, how am I going to fit together this role in my life with a professional endeavor. And so there is something for all of you in here. So I can't wait to give for you to give this a listen. Let's get started. Hi, mom. Welcome to the podcast. I'm so glad you're here today. Well, it is a real joy for me to be here with you, Jessica, and share this time and conversation with you. This is, this is a real honor for me and thank you. Yeah, it's going to be fun. So before we dive in today into this conversation, will you just tell our listeners just a little bit about yourself and kind of how you're showing up here today? Sure. Um, I'm your mom, um, <laughs> and I am the mom of your siblings. There's five <laughs> of you. And um, during my years as an adult, I formerly um, jumped into being a mom. Mm-hmm. And those were wonderful and great years. And Everybody listening knows that moms make a lot of sacrifices for their family, and I did. And it got to a point where you went off to college, and Sarah was starting to get thinking about college. I'm standing in the kitchen and says, what the heck? Mm -hmm. I'm sending my kids off to college. I do not have a college education. I do not have a degree. I started and then didn't finish. Mm-hmm. So that got me going. And that was disturbing because then I realized, well, then something's going to have to change. And I'm already working full time. And how am I going to do this? So that thought kind of scared me. Um, subsequently to that, I was with my sister, my youngest sister, I believe in New Orleans. And I went to the office with her. She had a checkup on something. And hanging in her office were these two beautiful diplomas, one from Case Western Reserve University for her undergrad. And the second one was from um, Tulane in New Orleans for her law degree. They were beautifully on her wall. It so inspired me. And I said, I want that. If Mm -hmm. my little sister can do that, I can do it too. And so off I went, and it took a long time. I went part-time in a night school. I took one or two classes at a time. Um, but I'm really pleased and excited and still just so happy um, mm-hmm. learning, um, learning time that I had. So I want to ask you a real quick question about that, because you said that when you saw your sister Margaret, her diplomas on her wall, you were inspired. 
And I mm-hmm. thought that was interesting because a lot of times when we see something that we want that someone else has, we we can feel jealous or like we can be like, oh, crap, you know, I'm not as good as them. Or we kind of almost mm-hmm. take it as as like this sort of, you know, negative on ourselves. Like, did you have that too? Was there any of that in there? Or were you kind of able to like see it as something that you wanted pretty quickly? That's an excellent question. And yes, I felt that way for years, mm-hmm. actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, I felt like I don't like my story. I don't like where I'm at. I would never be able to stand in a room of professional women and have something mm-hmm. to say. Mm-hmm. So I didn't like that part of my life. And I think it takes time for us to say, I don't like where I am and begin to envision that step between I don't like where I am and envisioning and looking forward to the future is very scary. Because if we really are honest with, I don't like where I am and I want to move forward, well, then a whole lot has to happen. Um, I have to be able to afford help. I have to be able to afford paying tuition at a college. I have to make sure that dinner is made on those nights that I am going to go from work to school. And all of those little things can feel very big when we're just starting out. So it takes time. And I believe from the time that I saw you go off to college and Sarah and seeing my sister's diplomas, there was a readiness in me. There was a hunger that I was willing to kind of just move through all those objections that I kept putting on myself as to why I shouldn't. And I moved into a really good space of, I am going to. Mm -hmm. And um, so... So you, so you made that realization you got through, I mean, so much has happened between that day and where you are today. So tell us, tell us, like bring us up to speed. Okay. So while I was working at Case Western Reserve University, I found my love and my passion. I was in a role where I was working with under, mostly undergraduate students Um, preparing them for their first professional work experience. So I developed a curriculum there. I had about 300 students a semester. It was crazy. And I was responsible for developing partnerships with industry for all of the education majors. So biomedical students go to a co-op and have a work experience with a biomedical company, et cetera. And my world got really big. I got so big. And I realized there's this enormous world out there just teeming with exciting people, intelligent people, and these wonderful students, they were, I was supposed to like get them ready. They -hmm. were getting me ready. Mm -hmm. They were asking me questions that I had to tap into this, what it felt like an empty well. And all of a sudden I'm finding answers and I'm finding insights and I'm realizing that I can help them, I can serve them, I can, I can urge them forward in their career. And that was such an exhilarating experience for me that I said, I'm going for that. I'm going to finish my undergraduate degree. I did that first. And then I went for a master's degree. And life is weird and funny and it meanders and sometimes it goes backwards and sideways. And everybody knows what that means. And 
it was just at a time where things were going to really go forward, but it was also a culmination of me saying, I'm moving forward. Yeah. You made that choice. I'm going to find a way. Yeah. And so you finished your master's, you were trained as a coach, you went, you have a, you know, you're a licensed counselor. I mean, so it brings you up to speed today. And now you have your own business after working for many years in higher education. Tell us what you do. So my role as a career counselor is this, I help people gain confidence in who they are and know with clarity their natural talents and gifts. Mm-hmm. When we know who we are, lots of doors open. Mm-hmm. When we know who we are and can clearly articulate our natural talents and strengths, we know what they are. We have examples of how we play them out, of how they're actually real in our life. Doors open. Mm-hmm. And that is what I hear from, from my clients. So a client, the first phone call is, my question is, what prompted you to um, reach out to me? And in so many words, the answer is 90% of the time I'm miserable. Hmm. And then when we work on our goals for a session, 90% of the time it's, I want to do work that matters. I want to understand my meaning and purpose. And so off we go. You know, I read a statistic when I was prepping for this, that we spend a third of our lives at work. Mm -hmm. And I bet it's way more than that for a lot of people who who work many hours. And then if you want to add in the work of raising children, it's like we're working like two thirds of the day. (laughs) So of the 24 hour period, you know, so it's a really, really big part of our lives. And, you know, career, as we all know, we can all imagine we know people in our lives who have careers where it's like super energizing and we see them just, in their zone and it's amazing. And we also know people and we've also experienced things where it's like the most anxiety provoking, awful thing in our lives. And it's a big part of our lives. So it's super important. And so since you help people with career and we want to help people today who are thinking about their jobs and wondering what to do next, or maybe love what they're doing, or maybe we're like, I, I can't do this one more day. So mm-hmm. I want to just talk a little bit about the status of career and jobs in our country today. And I was just wondering if you could give us a little snapshot of like what you're seeing with your clients first, because that's mm-hmm. your experience and you have a lot of that, but just kind of w- what's going on? Where are people at? Like, how are we feeling about our work? And then we can, from there, we can kind of go and talk about, you know, what people might do with that. Yes. There's um, a, several things that come to mind. And I'd like to begin with a big picture of where are we at globally and in the United States in the world of work. And for people who have an interest in that, Gallup, Forbes, and the Harvard Business Review are excellent resources for lots of information on that. But I'll give you a snapshot here that um, globally, according to a Gallup survey in 2020 pandemic, globally, 69% of the workforce was unhappy. Okay, now that's a broad brushstroke of a statistic. And that's what it's meant to be. It's meant to indicate something. Mm -hmm. In the United States, same Gallup survey, 2020, 
64% of our workforce was disengaged. Wow. When you're disengaged, you don't care. You're not invested. You're not growing. You're not curious. You're not inventing. You're just getting through your day. You're not contributing either. Like you're not not helping to grow anything. No, no, there's not a lot of, it's low energy showing up, get it done, get the heck out of here. Mm -hmm. And also in that same survey, the 28% of the U.S. workforce felt burned out. Yeah. And that's serious. That's a wake up call. Um, And I'm not talking about unhappy for the last two months or tired for the last four months. I'm talking about deep burnout is a, can be a very deep psychological type of situation Mm -hmm. that can be frightening for people. So if 28% of our workforce in 2020 is there, wow, we -hmm. have some homework to do. Mm -hmm. So since then, um, well, I don't know if it's since then, but um, I'd like to refer back to gallup.com for any people who are leaders and managers or lead people, coach people, Gallup.com does an incredible um, job of coaching leaders. Hmm. That's their mission is to coach leaders, understanding that these statistics are worrisome Mm -hmm. and something needs to be done. Mm -hmm. So people in leadership positions now, it's not enough. And we have to have some empathy here. It's not enough that they have their college degree program. They're certified in a variety of different aspects of their work um, that they probably had to pay for themselves. They're working very hard. And their metrics were, is it on time? Is it on budget? And are we moving forward? Mm-hmm. Think of that. The leader has is, is really been trained for that lo- kind of responsibility. Well, now people are saying, but there's something else about leadership. Mm-hmm. It could have something to do with saying, well, how are you today? Instead of where is that report? It was due mm-hmm. yesterday. Mm-hmm. It could have something to do with that level. So the difficulty here and where we need to have empathy for our leaders and encourage them and provide resources is when a person, a leader is in the task positive mode, get this done, list of things to do, my pile on the desk that is giving me anxiety. They're in the prefrontal cortex. Okay. They're in the objective, get it done, um, figure it out mode. When when that per, same person is greeted by an employee and said, I'm not happy here, mm-hmm. that person has to, to have that conversation, has to jump from the prefrontal cortex to the limbic system in the brain because they don't operate at the same time. It's one or the other is firing away. And so now we're asking our leaders who are highly trained, educated, and all the rest to now develop their be able to switch from prefrontal cortex to limbic mm-hmm. system in a nanosecond to also say, well, how are you doing today? How's your family? Do you need some time off? Are you happy here? Tell me about it. That's a big ask. And so 
I am so pleased for Gallup, what they're doing. And they have a wonderful podcast that any leader, anybody in management can access um, called to call to lead. I believe is the, is, I'll double check on that. And the second one is Good Leaders Do This, hosted by Ben Barron. And um, those are excellent resources for anybody who wants to tap into, I want to be the leader who can also mm-hmm. be that person who cares about my people. We'll link those two in the show notes too, so people can access those. But I think that's a really interesting and challenging point because on one hand, we have workers who are really tapped, they're tapped out. They're, we're asking so much of people. We're asking so much of their life, so much of their hours, you know, and people are, humans are complicated, right? We have a million things going on besides just going to work. So there's that. But then what I'm hearing you say is that at the same time, we have leadership who's, or leaders who are managers who are being asked to get all these things done and then somehow also switch a switch switch over to almost being like a therapist of sorts or a counselor or you know a an, a coach to their to their yeah. team but they're maybe not getting the support to do that and so really i mean it's like what's the layer above that and how do we how does that change i think is like i'm a macro thinker big picture i think that's there's and i you know i think we can see that in all different kinds of 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 different groups of people healthcare education business all of that um but we can't solve that today. <laughs> no, we can't. Even though we can think about it, um, if anyone's listening. But, um, you know, I think it also comes down to, like, who we are as individual people and controlling what we can control, right? And so it's like we have our own lives and our own careers. And so, you know, that's the macro view. And I want to get into, like, how a person can manage or handle their career. But first I want to see if we can go like one step down and talk about some individual groups of people. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking um, young people who are maybe just graduating from college or in college. I'm thinking of women um, who are greatly impacted by COVID in their, in the workplace. Mm-hmm. And then if there's any other, you know, groups of people that you see sort of a trend or you like a, like, like sort of a, you know, they're at like this inflection point in our culture with work. I'd love to hear about that because I think that'd be really interesting for people to know. Yes. That's a great question, Jessica. And um, so I'd like to share what I'm seeing in my practice and, you Mm -hmm. know, I I want people to understand I'm not making a public statement of, of, sure. of the state of life for mm-hmm. individuals. I'm reflecting on my, what comes to me, the people. Yeah, who your experience. Yeah. So I am seeing an increase of young males. Mom's mm-hmm. calling, dad's calling me. Uh, my son needs help. And they're having a really hard time finding their way into the work world. Hmm. Um, partly is they graduated in 2020 or 2021. And at that time, we all know what was going on. The world was combusting and shifting. And these young, particularly males, um, were just trying to get a job and Mm -hmm. would take not good jobs because a lot of the good jobs weren't hiring. Mm -hmm. And so it was a very confusing time. They were away from their campus for, you know, career help from from their campus people. And it was just a very difficult time. And plus... 
you know, so many more women, well, because of diversity and inclusion, mm-hmm. you know, you want to hire more women than men. You want to have those numbers. So HR checks mm-hmm. you off as you're doing mm-hmm. a good job. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that, that can be helpful. But in the meantime, um, these young men are having a hard time. Mm-hmm. So why? Um, another reason of that is overparenting. And I actually had someone say, you know, I, I feel responsible for wow. why my son is, is lagging. Um, and then there's a generation, this younger generation, male and female, they're asking these meaning questions before they get into the workplace. Hmm where people who are in the workplace for maybe 5, 10, 15, 20 years are now beginning to say, why am I doing this? And kind yeah. of circling back to that, that concept of meaning and purpose and who am I and I want to do work that matters. And so it's very interesting. And so what I tell the young people is what is meaning and purposeful and what matters to you at 25 will change at 35 will probably change again at 50 or 55 mm-hmm. and will change again at 75. So that's not the static thing. I found it. This mm-hmm. is who I am. And, and I want to give them that context so they realize that this is an ever ongoing question that we ask as we move through life and different life stages. Um, so I just, you know, I wanted to bring that to, um, yeah. That's really interesting about young people and, and how they're like thinking about their work, I think. And I think there's, that's, that's challenging and positive because I think what we do, I mean, I was thinking about this, about with my own kids, it's like, you know, we ask young people what they want to do, but we never cultivate who they are. You know, we're not doing like the work that you do with young people when they come to you is who are you and you know, personality and assessment tools and all the stuff, which is like, they can have these aha moments. And we'll talk a little bit later about those things. But we're not doing that with our young people. So we're just like, well, what job do you want? And I think they intuitively, which is kind of cool in our culture are saying, maybe there's something like you, like you said, there's something missing here, we got to like, figure that out. And obviously, that does change. But it's, it's interesting that they're asking that question. And important, I think. It is. It is. And um, it's a it's a gift to the workforce that they're asking yeah. these questions. And we ought to listen to that and help them find their way in a way that's appropriate for their education, for their training, mm-hmm. and for their work experience, for their maturity, mm-hmm. and help them move, grow, continue yeah. to, um, you know, be serious about their career path. Yeah, that's interesting. So the, one of the other things um, that I'm seeing, um, and particularly for women, is a decreased interest and energy for putting up with dysfunctional workplaces and bosses. Well, hallelujah for that. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I'm thinking of several right now. And it's, yeah. like, it's like, wow. It's like, maybe I don't have to do this anymore. Maybe I don't have to live under this unhappiness and maybe oppression or maybe just basic dysfunctional. Mm -hmm. I'm not doing that anymore. And so that's been an interesting voice um, to me. And then there's the general, you know, person who just is struggling. They're unhappy. They're unmotivated. They feel a lack of direction. Um, I've never really made a choice 
about mm-hmm. my career. I fell into this and that led to this and I fell into that. And all of a sudden they're having a wake up call and say, well, what do, who are you and what do you want to do? What are your natural talents and strengths and how do you, how can you align your natural talents and strengths with work that you do? So it's an extension of who you are and not like a, you know, that proverbial putting a square peg into a round hole. Right. It's kind of a part of them. I think that's mm-hmm. what people want. I mean, on some level, we want to be doing work that's part of who we are. And I think that kind of brings me to, you know, this idea is that really what you're doing is you're helping people with way more than just a job. I mean, a job is part of it. That's not really, this is a bold statement. It's not even really about the work in some ways because they're, they're, they're out of alignment when they're coming to you. They're like, this is not working. Something isn't right. And I, and I know that what you're really doing is you're guiding people towards self-discovery and towards knowing who they are and developing tactics and tools for them to make decisions about what their work is going to be. And I want to talk about that a little bit because I think that's really the most important work that you're doing Mm -hmm. because if someone knows who they are and they get work that's aligned, that's a huge win. But even if they don't get work that's aligned, they know who they are. And that I think is provides people so much personal power and autonomy for moving forward in their lives and their families. Mm -hmm. And so I know one of the ways that you do that is that you have some different tools and assessments that you use with people. And I want to be really practical here because I want people to understand that, that there are specific things that, that can really help you. And I've gone through some of the ones that you've used and you actually came to one of the retreats that I hosted for mothers and we went through another one and it's like seeing people have this aha moment. It's like, Oh, that's why I am the way I am. Or yeah, I really hate that about myself. I do that. Why do I do that? Now I know why I do that. Those are really like cool things to discover, or this is a place of stress. Now I know that when I'm stressed, that is totally what I do. How can I do that differently? Like, so I would just love for you to share, you know, I I mean, the one I would love to talk about is Myers-Briggs because it's one that I've, you know, you and I have gone through and, you know, Eric's used and I, I, but if there's others, I know you're certified in several and you, in a, in like, just, just talk to us about it and tell us how you feel like it helps your, your people. And let's talk to you a little bit about self-discovery and why that's really like the underneath of everything. Uh, Yes. I, and I love using assessments and here's why. I begin my relationship with somebody with this statement. You are the expert of you. Mm-hmm. There's nothing I can say that you don't know about. You are the expert of you. I am the expert of listening, guiding, knowledge. I've got lots of knowledge. I have lots of resources for you. And I'm here for you to find a way that in in such a way that you can um, live out your potential. Mm -hmm. So I use assessments as a means for helping the person reflect. So assessment can never and will never um, say, well, this is who you are and this is what you should do. And if somebody says that to you, say thanks and no thanks. I'll go find somebody else. So assessments are used as a guide. 
So some of the tools I use um, that's that are favorites is the MBTI, the Myers-Briggs. Um, I have guided people through that assessment. I stopped counting at 600, so I don't know how many oh, wow. people it is. Yeah. And it's such a great tool when it's used properly mm-hmm. and when it's understood what the goal is. So um, that said, I find that the Myers-Briggs, and I use a type coach platform and report, um, you know, for that. I just under, see under people understanding themselves in a way that they haven't. Mm-hmm. And I hear people say, you mean there's nothing wrong with me? Oh, wow. I said, oh, my goodness, no, you're perfect just the way you are. And our world needs you just the way you are. And I hear people say, oh, my gosh, now I understand why my wife and I are just, you know, we're not even talking the same language here. Or now I understand why my boss, um, you know, starts with a big picture all the time. And I'm sitting that back waiting for, just tell me what I got to do. I don't care mm-hmm. about that big picture. Tell me how I can make it work. Mm-hmm. And now that thought, that realization is, yeah, and that's your natural talent. And that's empowering. Now let's talk about how you can do that more often in the workplace. So when we're using our natural talent and strengths, my rule of thumb is 60% of the time in your career, in your work. And it might not be 60% every day or every week, but let's just say over a quarter, you can look back and say, I was really happy. I was engaged because I was using my natural talent and strengths. And that 40% is work. Get it done. Figure it out. Learn how to do it. And that's why we call it work. And so now we're talking about a person who's engaged mm-hmm. and growing and has energy for the outcomes and goals of the organization. So another one I use, going back to Gallup, they have developed the um, Strength Finder, the Gallup Strengths um, now. And that is a great one specifically to the, where what their specific strengths are. And then we go into a deep dive of how they can manifest, how that strength is becomes a behavior that is helpful in reaching a goal for collaboration, for planning, for selling, and all these different things. And now people are saying, oh, I think I need to get a job where I'm using that strength. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, absolutely, for sure. And so, again, it gives people a sense of confidence and clarity and a sense of agency um, that this is who I am. This is what I'm about. This is the kind of work. This is my contribution. This is my best I can bring to an organization. Um, So that's one. And I also really uh, love narrative storytelling. Mm -hmm. And so I do have one where I ask five questions. And um, it's uh, some of the questions are thinking to the past. And how can past memories and life experiences um, provide wisdom for today? Mm. And that was developed by a professor who here in John, John Carroll University in Cleveland, then at Kent State in, in, in Ohio, and now he's at Northwestern. And it's a very well-developed assessment, so I, I did not make that up. And then the other one I have that's easily accessible to anybody uh, listening here is 
ONET, Occupational Network, and that provides just an enormous amount of information um, from the Department of Labor Statistics. And ONET is a very user-friendly platform where you can access all that information. And that's a great one. And that's more specific in terms of your work personality, your interest. Let's find out what your interests are so that you're in an environment where people with interests like you are working together on a similar goal. And so I've, I've described different, why do I use four? Because each one, you know, gives a, a different window into the soul, into the person. And each one empowers people in a little different way. Mm-hmm. And each one speaks to different people. And I have to say, um, on average, uh, my clients love all of them. So do you usually use all of them with your clients mm-hmm. or do you kind of pick and choose based on what you think is best? I use all of them. Um, I have a curriculum. It's a 10-week process. And the first half is dedicated to empowerment. Mm -hmm. And the second half is dedicated to strategic communication. So let's, let's mine all that information and all those great insights you had about who you are and bring them into a cover letter, your interview answers the question of tell me about yourself another one is like the elevator pitch some people Mm -hmm. use that um you know you're envisioning your future because now you know you can start to envision Mm -hmm. and that's got to be a really exciting place for people to get to like does that probably feels amazing yeah people just realize like because i can do that yeah you can you sure can yeah That's awesome. So if someone's listening today and they're like, I'm totally stuck. I don't like my job. I am just like trapped and I don't know what to do because I have responsibilities. I have a family. I have things that I have to take care of. I have people expecting things of me. Um, this is what I've always done. I don't know what to do, but I really know like something has to change and I'm just, Mm -hmm. I don't know what to do. So if someone's listening today with and thinking those things, which I know there are because it's just the truth. Yeah. What do you, what would you say to somebody like that? I would say to the person, listen to yourself and don't be afraid of what you hear. It's scary for the main breadwinner, if you know, in, in such a family, and you have a lifestyle and you have obligations and your kids are in school, and instead of one pair of tennis shoes at one years old to 16 years old, they need three or four pairs of you know, that whole thing. It's it can be immobilizing. And so take a deep breath and realize that life asks us questions as we live and grow and and move forward. So the young people, they have their life questions. What is life asking of me? Mm -hmm. The 40-year-old, the 60-year-old. And like I mentioned before, what is purpose for for you at one point, well, you're going to need a new purpose at another point. Mm -hmm. And so to understand it's a natural progression in life is to ask new questions and to say, that was great. Then I can't 
stand it anymore. What am I going to do? And as best you can, it's just to let that question and the emotions around the question, let it, let it be and write it down on a piece of paper. Like accept that you're having that question. Accept, accept that this is the state of mind that I'm in. And I tried to run from it, you know, I can't run from it anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then what else, you know, so after they do that, what could, what's like one or two more steps that they could take now that I know something's not right and I don't think I want to do this anymore and I'm not quite sure where to go or what to do. Um, what, what, what's something like one more step that somebody could take? Ask for help. Don't try to figure it out on your own. And this is not a, uh, this is not a business plug. This is, this is hard work. Yeah. And on average, people don't know where to look and they don't know where their resources are and they don't know what to do. And the, the advantage of having a career counselor or a coach is creating a goal And part of the goal process is, what do I want to move from? Very specifically. Very specifically. Mm -hmm. What do I want to move towards? And in that, what do I want to move from? And what I want to create the mindset, calms the central nervous system. You have it on paper. It kind of becomes a subjective plan. Mm-hmm. that minimizes all the emotions and stress from it. And it helps create a positive neural network, a positive emotional state in the person. So when we are highly frustrated, agitated, depressed, angry, we're in a negative emotional state. And nobody in an emotional, negative emotional state should be in the business of making big decisions. Right. You want to have someone to help you move towards a positive emotional state with knowledge of who you are, your natural gifts, what is important to you at this time in your life. And now you're ready to make good, objective, well thought through decisions for yourself and for the people you're responsible for. Mm -hmm. That's really good. So I'm just going to recap that really quick. If someone's listening, grab a piece of paper or a notebook, put a line down the middle. And on one side, you can say, this is what I want to move from or away from. And the other side is what I want to move towards and start there and see what comes to you and give yourself permission to do that. And then you might have an idea about what to do next. Does that sound right? That sounds great. Okay. I like to give tools. So there's something that you can do. One of the things that I've heard you say before, which I, which I love is that sometimes when we're, you know, in a place in our life where we really don't like what we're doing, we want to make a change. It's, we feel like, well, I don't have the time. I don't have the money. I don't have, you know, I, the, the ship is, is, is in forward motion. Like I can't dock it for a minute. You know, it's just not going to work. But you said something, you was like, it's actually too expensive not to do that. So that's a mindset shift for people a little bit. So can you just, just talk to us about what you mean when you say it's too expensive not to, 
to listen to yourself and know, uh, I guess, just listen to yourself. Mm -hmm. So when a client um, reaches out to me and decided to work together, I fully acknowledge, actually, on our first, wait, excuse me, I'm going to backtrack there. Okay. A person calls me for their free 30-minute consult, and we're coming towards the end of the phone call. I do not try to close the deal. Mm -hmm. I do not gently nudge mm -hmm. for them to say, to sign me up. I say, this is a big investment. Mm -hmm. It's an investment of your time because I give pre-work, the 75-minute session, and post-work. It's a lot of time. It's an investment of your energy, your mental, emotional energy. It's an investment of your finances. I get it. I want you to think about it. And some people call me back and sign up and some people don't. And that's fine because I think having that being a match together, that we can work together. She gets mm -hmm. me. She hears me. Mm -hmm. She understands. That is so important. And that's why I do the 30-minute consult. But um, I'm sorry. I don't think I'm your, to, specifically to your question is I know people are signing up with me and they can't afford it. Hmm. They don't have, if they're miserable in their job, there's a good chance that they're not being promoted, they're not being recognized, they're not getting mm -hmm. the awards, and so their salary is stagnant or going backwards or, or, or whatever. And I know, I can hear it. I can't mm. afford this. I can hear the hesitant. As soon as I say my price, it gets real quiet. Mm-hmm. And I said, that's okay. Just think about it. Talk to your people. Call me back. Mm -hmm. And I understand that. But I under also understand that not investing in yourself can be catastrophic down the road. Mm -hmm. Think, okay, this next year I'm going to dole out X amount of dollars. Or the alternative is time will go on. Five yeah. years will pass. And if I'm still where I am now, I will be the most miserable person on this earth. Is that yeah. where you want to be? No, yeah. no. And so it takes some doing, you know, mm -hmm. to, and that's why vetting out your person you hire to help you is really important so that you feel a sense of confidence that this is the person that can help me. Yeah, that it's a good fit because you're all investing yeah. your time and it has to be a good fit for people. I think yeah. that's such a good point in anything in our life. Like we're always worth an investment, whether it's the investment to exercise or the investment to pursue something that we're interested in or shift a career. It's like shifting that mindset that we are worthy of that time and energy yeah. um, to invest in ourselves, especially as parents who are <laughs> always giving of ourselves, yeah. it takes, it's like a little bit of a, of a mind shift. So you know, I wanted, we're so quick, excuse me. We're so quick yeah, as ahead. parents to buy that extra pair of tennis shoes or mm -hmm. to buy that designer piece of clothing that mm -hmm. they don't need at all. But it's just kind of that thing, you know, we're, we're so quick to spend yeah. a little bit more money on a nice bottle of wine or to go out to dinner or to go on a vacation why, why are we so slow and hesitant and sometimes scared to do that for ourselves? Because when we are fed, 
we're feeding our family. Mm-hmm. We're feeding those around us. We're feeding our culture and our society. We're, we're making the world a better place. Yeah. That's such a and good so point. I just wanted to, that's another yeah. way to think about it. Yeah. No, that's so good. That's so good. Um, I read the statistic last night that 74% of employees in the U.S. believe that company culture is one of the biggest contributors to job satisfaction. So like culture really, really matters to people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and yet, you know, we, we, we have these conversations about leadership and books and all of that. And, and, and it's sort of, we're aware that, that leadership and culture is really important because I think they're synonymous. You can't have good culture without good leadership and vice versa, but we're still like, there's still a gap, you know, in where we are with that. And I know that this is a really big question and I know that we can't solve it in one podcast and we could have a whole podcast on leadership and culture and all of that. But, you know, like if someone's listening who is in a leadership role and they want to do their job well, cause you know, well, I know you talked about Gallup and you mentioned that other podcast, but you know, we talked about some statistics too at the top about happiness in the workplace. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. what are some of your thoughts around like leadership and culture and where we're at with that and like how people might think about it for themselves if they're either struggling with that in the workplace or if they're leading and they, they really want to, they want to do a good job. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the pandemic pushed this topic front and center in everybody's mind. Yeah. Because during the pandemic, people were making big choices about how they wanted to work. Mm-hmm. And, um, and employers had to make big choices about how they're going to keep the doors open, right? And how they're going to mm-hmm. keep their, their company alive. And so that is one of the good things from the pandemic. And it has brought this whole conversation about culture. Um, You know, it's bubbled up and people are now paying attention to it. But it's a big topic. And, you know, when you think about culture of, you know, a small business person who's schlepping their goods around and trying to figure out Google business and Mm -hmm. whatever, and then employee comes in and is, you know, I don't like it here. This place is not friendly. It's not helpful. It's like so demanding. I feel like I can never do it well enough. Well, now you're asking that person who's an entrepreneur to turn on the human side. And you think about then the person who has a global business and they're around the world and you're asking that person or that corporation to turn on the human side. And it's going to take time for that to fully make sense. Um, it's going to take time for leaders to be able to fit that into their brain and their job description. Mm-hmm. And um, But I do think, in fact, I know there are so many great organizations that are helping leaders create a better culture. Mm-hmm. There are some great certificate programs at Case Western Reserve and the School of Business, and they have an executive leadership program. And I'm going to guess that any, any university that is, you know, large enough and has a well-ranked business program, go to that website and Google executive education. Mm-hmm. And so in a Gallup, I mentioned Gallup and it's just, we just have to like put it out there. These are our needs. I'm a human being. And then be patient with one another while we kind of try on new shoes and 
um, new colors that we're not accustomed mm -hmm. to. So, so yeah, it's, it's almost, a big one. It's a big one. It's a big one. But it's almost like, I think what I'm hearing you say, and, and I know if this is a fair statement, and this is a lot to ask of both sides, but it's like, if you're the person who doesn't like the culture you're in, see if you can try on your boss's hat for a minute, maybe imagine what they have going on mm -hmm. and vice versa. If you're a boss, maybe acknowledge that you feel a lot of pressure from the, from above you and you're maybe not really investing the way that you need to be in your people. And it could be as simple and as complicated because people are come of talking about it and seeing if we yeah. can come up with a solution, which we're also not very good at a lot of the time. Um, but again, I think it points back to, you know, the importance of knowing yourself and of doing your work because yeah. You know, I, I think a lot about systemic change, as you know, in, in the world and in, in, in things that I've personally gone through. And I think that idea is really important. But one thing I've come to is that systemic change happens one person at a time and it starts with me. Okay. So okay. if you want, you know, it's easy to complain or, you know, say all the things that are wrong. And there's tons of things that are wrong. So so that's the truth. But who am I and how am I showing up and how do I know myself and, you know, what are my boundaries? And, 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 and if we kind of operate from there and if we were all sort of doing that work, things might be a little better, you know, so yeah. we can always start with ourselves. And because that's a big ask. Yeah. I am a huge fan. Again, I'm going to go back to the type coach platform that I use um, that houses and teaches the Myers-Briggs. It is a phenomenal tool for it with for organizations and for companies mm. and teams and people at different levels within the organization. So the tagline for type coach is it's an adaptive communication tool. So when I understand who I am and I understand who you are and you're different, oh, I guess I better adjust my rapport with you or my communication or how so now we're talking about cognitive diversity. Yeah. So we have a list of diversity, inclusion, you know, things to check off. What about cognitive diversity? Oh, you mm. think different. You're motivated by, by something different than what motivates me. Oh, you like this part of the project? I hate that part of the project. Mm -hmm. Well, let's, you do what you love to do. I'll do what I love to do. And there we are. And so again, I'm promoting, yes, I, I, being practical, that is, um, Type Coach goes into many, many, many big organizations. You can see it on their website um, because people, organizations are, I think they're kind of screaming for help. Yeah. And this past year, Type Coach staff was overwhelmed with requests. Wow. So it's, you know, it's, it's happening. We have to be patient. And, um, but keep speaking. Yeah. Keep, keep going forward. And make changes as you need. If you just can't, if this is toxic environment, get out, walk away, yeah. walk away. Yeah. You don't have to save everyone else and, no, you know, no. drown yourself. Absolutely. It's important to not. have that boundary. You are, no, that's not what you signed up for. Yeah. Just get out. Yeah. yeah. Because there are good places, like you said, and there are people that are trying to do a good job. Mm -hmm. And yeah. So you say people think of themselves as nouns, but you want people to think of themselves as verbs. Yeah. Explain a little bit about that. 
So when we think of ourselves as nouns, we think of ourselves as mom, dad, server at my mm -hmm. job, the person who does the laundry, the cook, the chauffeur, the, the database manager, the data analyst, the CEO, the C-suite person. Mm -hmm. I'm the janitor. Okay. I'm the air pilot. True enough. Fair enough. That is one way that we can describe ourselves. But describing ourselves with a noun can get us stuck in an identity that's not our whole self. Okay. Mm -hmm. We get stuck in an identity. We call ourselves a noun. When we think of ourselves as a verb, words such as I am becoming, I'm learning, I'm realizing, I'm recognizing, I'm, I'm curious, I'm exploring something new, I'm inventing, I'm meeting new people, I joined a new group, I'm reading a new book, I'm mm -hmm. reading a book that I never thought I would read. Oh, tell me about that person. Tell me about that person. Who are you? So when a person, individual, is sitting in an interview across from the employer, top of mind for the employer is, well, who are you? Who is this person? If I hire this person, what am I getting? How can that, how is this person, their personality and everything going to play out in my work environment? So if I sit there and say, I am a teacher. Fine. That tells mm -hmm. me what you do. I want to know how you do it. And how I do it is active, growing, emerging, manifesting. That's a verb. Hmm. Does that make sense? I Yeah, it's very different. And, and I feel more energy out of the verbs than I do out of the nouns. Mm -hmm. It's a lot less static. I'm not saying there's, there is a place for the nouns. Sure. Those course. are your roles. Those but, are your role. But you're kind of missing the full picture if you don't bring the yeah. verbs into it too. So we, you know, you have a little exercise that you do with your clients mm -hmm. that um, we're going to model, we're going to model um, next. But before we do that, I want to also see if you'll breathe some love and life into someone who's listening, who is like me, <laughs> because my career has been difficult for me. You know, I, mm -hmm. one of my goals on this season of the podcast is to be open and transparent about myself with people, because that's how I can share what I'm learning. And, you know, I have a marketing background. I was in graduate school. I quit grad school to take care of my son, Ethan. You know, I have my son Bodhi, who is living with many disabilities and challenges. And, you know, I, I'm entrepreneurial. I've started different organizations. I've done so many different things. But it's ebbed and flowed because of trying to be faithful to the calling of raising children with challenges. And mm -hmm. that's hard because, and I have battled, I, I believe for myself, I really believe in like, battling for ourselves, not in a selfish way, but saying like, I am a mother to, ch to children who are sick and I am an entrepreneur and a creator and a coach and, you know, 
all the other things that I am, like they sit Mm -hmm. next to each other. They're not separate. And so if someone is listening and they're in that role where they have had so many starts and stops and they just feel like, well, I've got this thing and maybe it's not a child. Maybe they're taking care of a parent. Maybe, you know, there's people have so many different life circumstances that take them off course. What would you say to somebody like that who just needs some encouragement? The first thing that comes to mind is I love you. You're an amazing group of people. Yeah. You are living with a dark cloud over your head when everything that could go wrong goes wrong, goes sideways. And that is an emotional, psychologically, physically, really, really painful place to be in life. And I want to acknowledge that. You need to know that you're in a very, very difficult place. All of anybody who's listening, I'm saying this for you and and for you. So to the question, you know, again, getting practical is what what might I say? Mm -hmm. And I would say first, acknowledge where you are. Get a piece of paper and pen. Get a journal and don't care if you don't write in it every day for God's sakes, but use it as a place where you can throw down words and throw down feelings and move on and change the next diaper and get the next medical device that you need. Mm -hmm. But have a place that is for you Mm -hmm. in that journal. You have to have, if that's your only headspace, get it. So now you have a journal and you have a pen, your favorite pen. There's only certain pens that I use. So get your favorite pen (laughs) and be honest in there. And nobody, it's off limits. Nobody's going to see it. Nobody. Hide it. Hide it under your pillow. Nobody's allowed to see it. It's there for you where you can just put it out there to the world, to your your heart's content. And then this second thing I would do again that's being honest right Mm -hmm. yeah and the second thing I would say to think about this what am I doing and how am I doing it so for you Jessica um, because I know your home and your family and I know the extent of the care that Bodhi requires and I know how incredibly beautiful and loving he it's so easy to love Bodhi and it's so hard to take care of him Mm -hmm. and so you're pulled in -hmm. these two emotional extremes maybe several times a day Mm -hmm. and so when and if possible and this is something to cultivate this is a practice to cultivate for anybody who's listening okay I'm now putting Bodhi in the stander I'm strapping him in He's, he's, he's pushing back. He's big. Mm-hmm. I got to get stronger so I can get him into this thing safely. Mm-hmm. Okay. You just did that. Now you're making his food so you can mm-hmm. spoon feed him. Mm-hmm. And now you're going to pick up the kids and now you're going to do this. Mm-hmm. And it's so easy to feel frazzled there. Mm-hmm. It's so easy to feel unfulfilled there. I would say, you know, 
I would hire you in a minute. I would hire you sight unseen, no interview. Come and work for me. Mm-hmm. You are adaptable. You are resilient. You are organized. You can move on a dime. You can do three things at once. You're strong. You don't give up. You believe in what you're doing because you because of love, because of mm-hmm. love. You're doing work that surpasses. You do you're doing work that is more important and has deeper meaning than, mm-hmm. than anything yeah. else that we can do. And to see that the who you are, you are developing and you are evolving, even though you feel dead inside or stagnant. Mm-hmm. And to see that this the depth and the breadth of the work that's required of you are the attributes and traits that people look for in a new hire. Mm-hmm. Emotional intelligence, adaptability, collaboration, good communication skills, um, strategy. The list is endless. Yeah. And you're doing all of those things. Yeah. The communication that you and others are doing with insurance companies, with teachers. Who else gets to do that? You guys are are brilliant with communication strategies. You're brilliant. Yeah. You know, and, and if you... But, you know, one thing I'd love to do is get like five or 10 of you special people in a chat and just realize and vision who you've become and the skills and the traits you've developed and the grit that Mm -hmm. you have and the level of commitment that you live in that doesn't get recognized. Nobody sees it. No. Not one person sees it except your husband and the other kids. Yeah. And maybe a maybe a neighbor or two. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, you guys could change the world. Yeah. I always say moms who are raising kids with illnesses, disabilities, challenges could like run run around run circles around any CEO. Yeah. Because <laughs> you're right, there are so many skills that you have to learn, and it's so good to recognize that these are adaptable to other things. It's so easy to think that they're just stagnant in the thing that we're doing, but they are mm-hmm. applicable. And so that's such a, an important point. And thank you for sharing that. And I hope mm-hmm. if you're listening and you've felt that way, that maybe you'll feel a little bit encouraged that um, you are developing amazing skills. And it is important to try to help women in that role, especially translate that to something that they want to do. And so I think that that is something that I'm very interested in pursuing through some of the things that I have thoughts about to do next with the nonprofit work and stuff is that we have to develop these women because they have a lot to share. So I want to do this exercise real quick before we end, because Uh, I think this is one last tool. So this, this podcast (laughs) has been chock full of tools. So if you're listening and you, you know, grab that notebook, go through all of these tools, like you're going to be, um, you know, in a different place in one hour than you were. (laughs) I feel like we're teaching a masterclass here today. Okay. 
So let's go through this exercise. Okay. So um, Jessica, I'm going to ask you a question and I'm going to write down, you know, what you say, and then I'm going to provide some feedback on how your, your reflection to my question can be helpful. Okay. Okay. So Jessica, um, who are, tell me about a hero or heroine that meant something to that, who you looked up to as a child or, or an adult, but um, specifically for the purpose of this, it's as a child, who inspired you as a kid to want to be or do something? I always have admired Oprah. I know a lot of people do. Mm -hmm. Um, And I guess I would say that I've seen her. She's curious. Um, She's a connector of people, a leader. She's an, she has influence. She's very engaging with, with her, with her, um, the people she talks to and she interviews. I, and she's super honest and, and I love that honesty about her. Okay. So if you were going to introduce me to Oprah, you know her, I don't. Mm-hmm. Would you use those words to describe her to yes. me so that I could begin to get to know her? I would. Okay. So you described Oprah as curious, connector, has influence or influential, mm-hmm. engaging, and super honest. You notice those are all verbs, action mm-hmm. words. You did not say she is a TV host. Mm-hmm. Okay. Going, mm-hmm. circling back to nouns and yeah. verbs. So you were able to identify these traits personality traits in Oprah, Jessica, because they are in you. Hmm. You are curious, Jessica. You are a connector of people. You have influence. You are engaging and you are super honest. So our role models, our heroes or heroines, as a child, anyways, we use them to imagine ourselves as an adult. Hmm. So, and, and, and these, then Oprah was like this, perhaps a role model and or uh, cre- um, helped you develop your core sense of self. Hmm. If so I asked another person, I want, we're talking about Oprah now. Mm-hmm. What are your five adjectives to describe her that you would use to introduce her to me? Probably would be different words. Yeah. Because you see what you see because it's in you. So Jessica, you are curious. You are a connector. You have influence. You are engaging and you are super honest. Mm-hmm. And how can that be helpful? Oh, there's a story there. Mm-hmm. Then you get to be write your story about being these, these things. And it's a narrative and it's a storytelling. And it's at the same time, um, an assessment of sorts where you can begin to really go, when am I, I'm curious. Yeah. You, when am I curious? I didn't, I don't think of my, oh, well then you start paying attention and you start listening to yourself and listening to the words of your mind when you're curious my God, I am curious. I can't get enough. Hmm. And now you have a whole new story to tell about yourself. 
That's so cool. So uh, we can only see in others what actually exists in us. I think Pretty that's much. the takeaway. That's we the see takeaway. in others, yeah. which that is a really neat thing to, to go through and say, that was cool. Thank you. That was really fun. So that's another thing that you can do if you're listening, another tool. So yes. we're going to wrap up here soon, but I have one final question for you. Um, this season I'm focusing on who we become and what we create from the heart heartbreak we witness in the adversities that we face. And so I'm just curious, what is one thing or two things that you really like about yourself because you have weathered adversity in your life and you have, um, you know, chosen to do the work? Like, what is something that you're like, I, I, I like this about myself because of that? Oh, that's a, that's a powerful question. Uh, Jessica, I would say one thing I like about myself because of the work I've, I've done and my process of growing up and becoming is I'm slow to judge and quick to understand because hmm. I know all too well how life can go sideways and how life meanders and doesn't go in, in a, and life is not, so not a straight line. We all know that. Yeah, it's true. But, you know, I've cultivated that, you know, slow to judge and quick to understand. Hmm. Um, yeah. That's cool. That's a great thing to like about yourself and our world certainly needs yeah. more of that. So we're going to end, but you wanted to have an offer for our guests. So I, tell us I what you're offering. If offer. anyone listening is interested in reaching out or working with Mary Rose, um, tell us what you're offering. Okay. I do have a special offer for our listeners of this podcast and I am offering a 20% off of a package that includes um, taking the type coach assessment, which is the Myers-Briggs type indicator, um, and then having a 75-minute session with me personally to walk through your report and to discover how it can be helpful for you in a very practical kind of way. And so the cost of that, which is typically $275, I am offering to our listeners today who uh, mentioned the HeartStrong podcast, I'm offering that for $225. Awesome. And this offer, since we know this is an evergreen podcast, um, the offer is available until April 30th, 2023. So we'll put yes. that in the show notes too, and we'll let people know where they can find you. But thank mm -hmm. you, mom, for having this conversation <laughs> with you. me. It was really fun. And I, you have such knowledge. And I think that one thing that is really cool about you is you have a lot of wisdom from your life, but you have supplemented that with like very practical tools that mm -hmm. can help people move forward. It's not just the ideas and the wisdom, like you've coupled it with very tactical things, which I think we need, people need. And so you bring those two things together really well. Um, and so thank you for sharing this time and all these ideas with our listeners. Well, um, thank you, Jessica. The, the joy and the honor is mine. And to sit with you and to share life in this, in this way is, is truly a joy. Thank you very yeah. much. 
Thank you for joining me here on the HeartStrong Podcast. Please rate and review this podcast and share an episode that you love with a friend. Because when you do, you help us grow our mission of encouraging people to grow through the challenges of their lives and to live their full potential. We'll see you next time.